Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation to Freedom's Path Recovery Society. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing their services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality and sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path or any other organization. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, Huradene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Yeah, so Nicole, um, thank you for coming in. Tell us about yourself. Well, and you were already telling us a bit about yourself. Um, I'm a single mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, January will be five years sober. All right. For me. Um, Shit, five years, eh? Yeah, January 18th, I will be five years sober. Congratulations. I, um, I am in school full time right now. I'm finishing up my addictions studies diploma as well as I work at Alpha House on the dope team Mm -hmm. as well as I have a city employment um, which is basically doing outreach with the vulnerable population and then I also work just obtained employment at Peter Coyle which Mm -hmm. is 55 up and plus, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. So I get to brought, like broaden my horizons kind of on mm-hmm. the population that exploring different populations, which yeah. I don't know. That's kind of what my interests have been lately. That's so awesome. I've been pretty lucky in my yeah. recovery. So how did you, how did you get here? Cause I know, like, I don't know your story fully, but I do know parts of it. And I know that probably, or it seems like what you're doing now is a far cry from what you were doing before. Yeah, no, um, (laughs) before, like, right in December, right around this time, um, of 2015, I was basically, I, like, a junkie. I, um, had no family, no friends out here. Like, I basically kind of turned to drugs. I was 29. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just like, I was like the casual pot smoker all through high school, nothing like that. But then when I was 29, I just kind of got in with the wrong crowd. Um, and that's when I started trying the hard, I tried the hard drugs and then it was just off from there. I spent my 30th birthday in jail in London, Ontario. Mm. And my first stint was like two months. And then I got out and just, it was doing the same thing. My, it just got worse. And then I was right back in again for another two months. Like I was mandated to go to treatment and I had to live with my parents and I was 30 years old. 
And I succeeded in the treatment. It was 19 days, but I didn't want it. Mm-hmm. Like, I was doing it to appease my probation officer, my parents, everyone, just to get them off my back. And I just was, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I just did what I had to. And the first opportunity that my parents gave me um, when I was living with them to go back to London, where I was from and where my addiction started, I took the first opportunity and I was getting high in a McDonald's bathroom again. Mm-hmm. Um, within like not even an hour of them dropping me off, oh, wow. I was in the bathroom getting high. So my life still, obviously, I hid it from my parents for a little bit, but then they caught on and threw me right back out again. Mm-hmm. So I was back on the run again and then I did it again. The run again back into a remand in London and then I got out. Um, I was a morphine user. So I got out and I got a methadone and when I was on methadone, my mom, who was like my best friend, like my whole entire world, she was diagnosed with cancer, a rare form of cancer at the end of July and she died September 13th of 2012. Um, and so I started, that's when I was on just on methadone. And at the time I was also shooting Ridlin because that was the thing, that was the thing back then when I was in active use, when I lived in Ontario and a lot of methadone users would use Ridlin. And I just remember going to the hospital. Basically, my mom was telling me that I sleep all the time from my methadone, which I did. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's when I started using meth. Someone had given me the um, the meth, said, here, try this instead of the Ritalin. So I did. And it just went really bad. Mm-hmm. When I got the call that my mom was dead, I uh, had been up for about probably almost five days. And I had slept for a long time. And I woke up and... I woke up to a voicemail telling me that my mother was dead from my brother mm. and that just did did it in for me. It yeah. just took me to a very negative spiral very Bless fast. And then by December I figured I needed to either move or I was going to die. Mm. Like there was no questions asked. So I figured the geographical change, so I moved out to Calgary. Not sure really why, because it's freaking cold here. It is. And I don't like cold. Mm. So clearly I was high when I decided that change (laughs) of where I was going to go. So, and I didn't really think it through. Like, I had no idea what I was going to do. I moved out here and moved out with someone. Um... It was arranged for my methadone. I was still a methadone when I moved out here, but I was also still um, using Ritalin at time and methadone and meth. And then when I moved out here, they wouldn't give me my methadone anymore. Mm. They told me that I had to go see a doctor, which I had already done, and just a whole run around. So the person I was living with went and got some heroin. Yeah. And... So basically that I was just off to the rodeo. I moved here in December of 2012 and um, 
I got really bad. Like I, um, I boosted for my habit. That's how I supported my habit. Out here, I knew no one other than the person that I lived with and his roommate, yeah. and they are both drunks, just like me. Mm-hmm. And um, just a very unhealthy, toxic relationship. So I was boosting to from stores to supply my habit, and then it just got in. I just got in bigger with these guys because it just seemed like. I was getting what they want, like, you know, mm-hmm. and I was able to, to get more from them. So then I was able to sell more. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got into it. And then I, the person I was staying with, like, basically got drunk and tried to, like, attack me and then threw me out. And, of course, I had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I had no idea. And one of his best friends, like, let me come stay there because I didn't know anyone. And... So that's when I started getting in real big and started selling the stuff. And then I met a guy who sold um, pills, which was my ideal matchmate in heaven back then, <laughs> let me yeah. tell you. Because no it was doubt. like, hey, this is great. You know, we hung out two times. And then the next thing you know, we were living together. He was selling drugs and life was great. And that was my picture perfect mm. boyfriend. And that lasted a year. And then yeah. he threw me out. And I had been out basically in and out of remand pretty much mm-hmm. since September of 2013. Yeah. That's when my last when I started in the system here for the same thing, like boosting. Um, and it just got to the point where like I was selling dope, but then I kept getting in with bigger and bigger people. And then my crimes were getting worse and worse. And then my stints were getting longer and longer. And then I was on a first name basis with the guards at remand. Mm -hmm. And that was my run for a long time, for a very long time. But after the one thing, after my first stint in remand here, that was the last time I had ever touched down. Mm -hmm. Like any form of down, I... After I got out, it was just, I was just simply on the meth binge and that's all I would ever do. And I was selling it and I was doing crime. I was stealing cars. I was in with the wrong crap, like just wrong people and Mm -hmm. doing a lot of, at one point, like I was, I did some home invasions Mm -hmm. with some people because, you know, like I thought it's not about, you know, I thought it was more about the respect. You need to earn respect. Mm -hmm. And that's how you need to build it up. Like, so I was all down for doing whatever, but yet it didn't get me anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, because every time I went to Reman, they weren't there. Yeah. I was by myself. Mm -hmm. But I was such a bad junkie by the end of it. Like, I was stealing cars and selling them, and I was doing it with somebody else. And so I was very well known. And then, like, my last hurrah, it was, like, I got arrested twice in 24 hours. Mm. Both high-speed chases. Yeah. And both stolen vehicles. Um, guns drawn. 
And, like, I know I wouldn't have stopped. And mm -hmm. at that time, like, I don't know, I kind of feel like it was a godsend. Yeah. Because for the last, like, two years of my real, when it was really bad, um, that's when I met Chloe's dad. Mm -hmm. And he was just a drinker from what I knew. But he, uh, he had a history, too. But then our relationship was just, I sold drugs did crime and he was along for the ride and then we spent a lot of our relationship inside mm -hmm. and so that last hurrah that um i got arrested he was already in remand um he had been in for quite some time i had found out um i got arrested in december it was december of 2015 that's when i found out i was pregnant but I didn't stop, like I got out, I didn't stop. I still continued to use, I did. Um, and I, in my attic brain, I went through every test possible because no matter what, one of those was gonna be negative because I thought, what the fuck am I gonna do with a kid? Mm. Like, my life is a mess. Yeah. Like, I have, like, I didn't have anything, nothing. Like, not a pot to piss in. And um, I went to remand, yeah, when I got out, I still did the same thing again. And then I got arrested twice in 24 hours. And I think that I was actually like, I don't know, just relieved that it mm -hmm. was over. Like, I think I knew yeah. it was gonna be over. That's quite a run, hey? Two stolen vehicles in, in one day? Yeah. yeah, within like, I literally got out, they handed me like promise to appears. Yeah. I got out at Saddletown, and bam, I got picked up in Falcon Ridge, literally yeah. right again, next morning, yeah. like pretty much cops drawn. Wow. It's not the first time I have, uh, I've had several interactions like that. I've, you, you would think being taken down by the canine unit, me and my Chloe's dad mm -hmm. were taken down by the canine unit, um, coming out actually of Country Hills uh, Shopper's Drug March. Mm -hmm. He had went and done a little spree and I went on a spree on myself and mm -hmm. only they were actually looking for him, but they found me and then they found like everything else pretty much that led up to what other things that they had been looking for. Mm -hmm. And so at that time, like I, I knew I was screwed, yeah. but I did two weeks and I got out on bail because my lovely lawyer is fabulous and <laughs> she has done me wonders over the years. Um, but I'm glad like that last hurrah, like I'm glad it was over because I wouldn't have stopped. Mm -hmm. And then when I went into remand, they told me basically I wasn't releasable and I had Rebecca Snuckle and I don't know if anyone knows of her. They know that should know she is, the bail queen mm. and um, she came and told me flat out that Nicole you're not getting out mm. she's like I've had you out on 11 no cash bail she's like you're not getting out and I was like well I'm fucking pregnant you need to and I didn't even really know at this point if I even still was mm -hmm. I yeah. just was thinking I need to get out of jail because I need to get high 
Because mm-hmm. that's still where my addict brain was. Being pregnant or not, I didn't care. Because mm-hmm. that's how invested I was in doing math. Yeah. Because it was about, I didn't care who you were. I like, I would have taken your dope and mm-hmm. helped you look for it. It just, it was so bad. Yeah. And so that's why, like, I didn't care. I just wanted out. And she's like, Nicole, she's like, I can't get you out. Mm-hmm. So your option's drug court. Yeah. And I was like, well, whatever I'm going to do to get out, I don't even care. Like, let's just get this prop. And I was yeah. thinking, and all I kept thinking was, I'm going to get out. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to get high. Yeah. Just once, just, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when I had my first ultrasound in Marie Man, I was already 16 weeks and four days. Mm. So I was only a week, almost just under two weeks about finding out the gender. Mm. So pretty much almost close to going into my second trimester. Yeah. So, and which you would never know by looking at me because I looked sick. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, that's when I did everything for drug court, um, filled out the paperwork. And whatnot, I was got arrested um, January. I have my sober dates January 18th because that's the day I went to Remand. That's mm-hmm. the day that I've tattooed on me. So that keeps me accountable now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until I had to do the paperwork and then they came to see me, um, the caseworkers from drug court, mm-hmm. three different times. And my actual caseworker, who was my caseworker in drug court, was one of the ones that said no. Because they actually didn't think that I would make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think I would make it. I knew I was just using it to get out. Yeah. I wasn't using it for any other reason. Simply get out. Mm-hmm. I didn't care how I got out. That's how my plan was. And that's how my manipulation worked. I was going to manipulate yeah. the system to try and get out. And then I would have ran. And I would have... Mm-hmm. And so finally, I got told I got accepted into drug court. Um, So I did my pleas for everything. On April 28th, for every single charge that I had, I pled guilty. And um, so I was released. But the conditions for drug court is that you're released to go to treatment. Mm -hmm. And so... Basically, I was released on May 4th. My case manager picked me up from remand mm-hmm. and drove me right to Aventa. Mm-hmm. I had nothing but my remand splits. Yeah. Not a thing. Wow. And plus some of the stuff, stolen jewelry that actually was still my property, mm-hmm. um, which I don't even really even know where it was from Mm -hmm. like I had no clue yeah like couldn't even have and I was just kind of like really like this is what I came Mm. like it just kind of like after being incarcerated for that long Mm because that was only five months like I literally just got done doing like a seven month bit a little bit before that Mm -hmm. literally at September and this was now January so it was just like kind of like when you see those bags come, it's like, holy shit, mm-hmm. this is my life. Like, what the frick? Yeah. And it's, you just see the craziness and the chaotic and like mm-hmm. the chaos and just, it's insane because I was kind of embarrassed and like 
And when he's handing it to me in front of my caseworker, I was like, I don't even know what this is, but I'm not allowed phones. That's in my agreement. Mm -hmm. And yet there's phones in here. So I'm like, am I going to leave here? And then I'm going to be breached. Mm -hmm. Like, cause that's where my mind frame was. Like, I didn't yeah. trust anyone. Like, is this a trick? Mm -hmm. Like, as soon as I step off the property, they're going to be like, psych, no, here's more yeah. charges. But no, um, I had to go to Venta. Like she gave me a pep talk straight. Mm -hmm. Like she was very straight. Like she was like, listen, if you fuck this up, we have nowhere else to put you. Mm -hmm. You'll go to remand. Yeah. Like that's as, cause she's like, you know, I know how she's like, we have your record. Like, cause I guess the guards give record, like mm -hmm. can give notes on the inmates. So they get all that stuff. And so I guess mine weren't exactly very good when mm -hmm. I come in. Well, in which probably nobody's are. Yeah, you're in pretty bad shape. Yep. In yeah. <laughs> and also being pregnant. <laughs> yeah, it was just... So she was flat out. She was very mm -hmm. cut and dry. That's exactly what she said to me. And I thought, okay, like, what the frick? Yeah. So then... How much time were you looking at to get drug court? You um, to qualify, right? You were, I was looking at... Um, I had two separate charges. One was um, 18 months. Mm -hmm. And then the other one alone was six months. They're two individual and I had two different crowns for both mm -hmm. of them. Okay. And that's not including the other charges. Those were just for the two. The fresh ones? Um, yep. They were the one I don't even really know. Um, to be honest, the car was, it was a theft of a motor vehicle. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie, like the car, I like probably shouldn't joke about this, but it was like a really piece of crap, like Toyota Echo. Like mm -hmm. it really wasn't worth $800. Yeah. So 18 months is a little extreme, but <laughs> whatever, I get it. I took somebody's vehicle. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I understand. So you know, but luckily enough that because I got into drug court, yeah. um, they combined everything together and 12 to 15 months. Okay. So <laughs> I did drug court. Um, I was in it for a total of 14 months. Right on. I was the first participant to ever have a baby Oh, really? in the really? program. Wow. The first female to ever have a baby. But then because of me being on a prescribed medication, Seroquel, my daughter was born addicted to Seroquel. Hmm. So for the first month of, um, I was, well, I was red flagged at the hospital. Um, but they didn't come after me until they found out my daughter, cause she was in the NICU for the first, um, two and a half weeks of her life. Mm -hmm. Um, she first was in Foothills cause that's where she was born. But then she was transferred to Rocky View. And the moment that they knew she was going to be able to come home, that's when CFS made their move on me, yeah. which I knew it. I was just surprised it took so long, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I figured that they would, like, I actually thought they would have apprehended her. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, like I actually did. Because um, I remember sitting in um, Aventa and two weeks in, and that was my first visit for my caseworker, my probation officer, and they both told me that if you don't have anywhere to go by the time you're done Venta at six weeks, you go back to remand. Wow. And I was graduating June 15th. My due date was July 11th, July oh, 15th. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way. Like mm -hmm. I had already, 
as soon as they told me that, I was like, no. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they told me that, like I phoned Snorkel and I was like, okay, this is what, I'm out. Like, I'm just going to bounce now. I'll run. She's like, Nicole, you have warrants in Ontario. Where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. She's like, the moment you go and have that baby, they're going to take you. Yeah. And so I didn't. I stuck it out. I immediately, like, updated my spadat. I, um, I was a high-risk pregnancy because I had placenta previa. I don't really understand, know what that means. Okay. From what I understand, it's like you're like it's at the front instead of the back. Okay. It acts as a cushion for the baby, and it's because I could never feel her move mm-hmm. or nothing. It wasn't until she was about seven and a half months. That's when I could feel her move, even yeah. though I was so big. And it poses problems like it can potentially, when you give birth, you can potentially bleed out because of it. Okay. And so. And that, so yeah, but no, for her, like she was just like for Chloe, when I gave birth, I did have complications. So I had issues with that. But then for the housing thing, mm-hmm. like I'm sorry, uh, no, my brain's okay. on overload. It's all, it's all good. The housing thing, um, I got picked up immediately and I found my own place. Mm-hmm. And then I was supposed to sign my lease the day before I graduated. And then they pulled out. They, they mm. wanted different things and I couldn't do it. So the next day my housing person phoned me and was like, Hey, we have an apartment for you to go look at. Can you go look at it today? And I was like, sweet. Mm-hmm. I went, I signed my lease, but then Aventa wasn't okay with, um, sending me, um, to a new place being like almost like nine months pregnant with nothing. Mm-hmm. So they allowed me to continue three weeks out of extra treatment. And so I could be able to come and go with my aunt to furnish my place. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. So I did three extra weeks oh, and then I transitioned the first, like I was home for a week and then I had my daughter mm-hmm. and wow. then, um, they induced me because I had, um, I a protein, something to do with protein. I don't really know, but it's something to do with high blood pressure and something to do with your kidneys. Mm-hmm. Don't really know. Don't understand it. But all I know is they induced me, but I had, it was the longest. I feel like I'll never go through it again. Yeah. She was born at Foothills. Like I found that some of the nurses there like are, cause they see your whole history mm-hmm. and I'm red flagged and they know that you're an addict. Yeah. And so they're not very nice to you. Yeah. Um, but I was lucky enough, like I had the same nurse who induced me, the, like mm-hmm. the same doctor the whole entire time. Yeah. But they immediately, like Chloe didn't cry for the first like two minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was bleeding out really bad. And I was just kind of more like in and out. And because of being such a bad junkie, they couldn't get anywhere. Like get into my arms or nothing. And so we were at the queue for a bit and then they told me she was addicted. That's when they told us she was addicted, but I had to for drug court because of being in drug court. Um, when CFS came in and found out that I was going to be having to, they're playing the hospital because when babies are born and when they're born addicted, their go-to is morphine. Mm-hmm. So, I had to, as an ex-junkie, administer morphine 
to my daughter. Oh, jeez. The same way I used to do it in a syringe, mm -hmm. but squirt it in her mouth every four hours for the first. She was born July 11th, and I had her last dose was August 29th. Wow. And so, but not only that, but for drug court, um, I had to find a pharmacy that would pre-make it and deliver it every three days. Mm -hmm. It was nearly impossible. Luckily enough, the federal crown for yeah. drug court, yeah. her best friend works at a pharmacy. Well, that's good luck. And um, worked on a plan for me to be able to have the morphine. Um, and so I had to pay extra. Mm -hmm for them to pre-make it and deliver it to me every three days. Um, so each dose she started off, she was at 0 0.18 when I brought her home and her last dose was 0 0.02. Oh, great. And to be honest, I don't even know if she needed it. Yeah. Cause like, I don't really know what babies withdraw. Like I know how it was for me and mm -hmm. it wasn't very good, yeah. but I kind of some I there's a big part of me that kind of just thinks maybe they treat it as that because of the fact that like I was on my antidepressants and anxiety medication and Seroquel, mm -hmm. but I just wonder because of the fact of my history, I don't really know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But either. CFS came to check up on me on certain times when I would do the dose because I they actually the pharmacy actually very wonderful and the nurses. Um, did a schedule up for me mm -hmm. um, for the whole time. Wow. So I had to administer it to her at 8 a.m., noon, 4 p.m., 8 p.m., midnight, 4 a.m., and just keep... Every four hours. Yep. Wow. Keep going. And then it got to like every four... Like, and then it would be like every six hours, mm -hmm. and then it go down to every eight hours, and then it was once a day. Yeah. And... Like by the end of it, I don't even know if she actually really needed it, mm -hmm. but so she's, yeah. And so for me, like, I don't know, I think that everyone in drug court thought, not going to lie, they didn't think that, they thought you're giving a drug addict morphine. morphine. Yeah. And so I had stipulations, like I went every Thursday when I had to go to drug court, I had to leave her morphine. Chloe's morphine at the drug court office. I couldn't take it in with me. So then I'd have to leave drug court. Mm -hmm. Like I only got two weeks off from drug court yeah. after I had Chloe. Okay. Wow. Like only two weeks. Jeez, okay. And then I had to go Yeah. every week for pretty much like almost like the first eight months. Mm -hmm. Um. Cause I started going more consistently when just after at the end of July, roughly. Um, and yeah, she had to come, she came with me. Yeah. Chloe. Wow. Um, so yeah, she, um, had to go to meetings with me because I still had to being in drug court. I still had to maintain minimum three drug tests a week, which were random. So mm -hmm. you would get a test a text in the morning telling you that you had to be there in such and such time for your drug test. Mm -hmm. And if you're late, then you miss 
it's considered a dirty test. Yeah. Um, but for the first, um, I think it was um, two weeks after I brought Chloe home, my case manager would come and drug test me every day mm -hmm. at home at like 10 o'clock at night. Wow. So, and that's, again, I guess because I don't think that they thought. That you were going to make it because yeah. you had more And food. even yeah. though that everyone at the hospital told them like she could take this whole dose mm -hmm. and it's not going to do anything to her. Yeah. And morphine's not my jam. Like at that time, it was not. It, mm -hmm. I could care less. Yeah. But then, yeah, like Chloe has done, I don't know, to me, I kind of think like when I see her now. She's an amazing kid. And she's so smart. <laughs> yeah. But her dad, um, he never met her, but he also, too, he was an addict. Mm -hmm. He was in custody up until she was seven months old. Um, he tried doing the recovery thing, but he overdosed and died four mm. days after, um, her first birthday. Oh, um, his dad blames me, um, for like, I think he blames me for me getting him back into it, mm. but I didn't make him do anything. No, of course not. You know, I, yeah, I was in my own addiction. Mm -hmm. I lived my life. I didn't care about anyone else. Mm -hmm. To me, I just didn't care. And the last thing I ever thought that me and him would have ever stayed together two years, let alone ended up with a child together. Like, mm -hmm. he had a son when I met him. He had supervised visits to that child. And so I knew the relationship there. Um... But did I ever think that it would turn out like this? No. Like, mm -hmm. I would have loved for him to meet Chloe because she's fabulous. Yeah, she is. But he just couldn't get out. Like, I found out on Facebook. Um, mm. His dad won't. I've reached, tried reaching out to his dad because I would love nothing more for Chloe to know him because mm. that is ultimately, that's, that's his legacy. Like, mm. those two kids that he has, that's his legacy. Yeah. But he's never responded yet. To, I think he doesn't. He has a hard time believing that she's actually his. Yeah. But when you see that other child, like it's kind of weird because we they look alike. Oh, yeah. like weird. Like we're two different moms. <laughs> yeah. But me and her both had similar relationships, exactly mm -hmm. the same. Wow. And so that's what's kind of weird. Like she's a nurse now too. And yeah, she's a registered nurse and wow. So it's kind of cool. Like how things kind of turn around. It's very cool. But his mom, like I never knew his fit, like his, any of his family. Mm -hmm. Like I met his mom after he had passed away and that's when I got to meet his son mm -hmm. and, um, his mom. And so that's what I'm extremely grateful for is because she's loved Chloe unconditionally, whether knowing, yeah. That whether she whether a test not. believes it or not, yeah. you, when you look at the child, you know, <laughs> and mm. so that's why, like, I don't know, it's sad. She knows, like, she knows that um, her daddy's in heaven. Mm -hmm. um, she knows, like, his name. Like, she knows enough about him. Yeah. 
And I want her to know everything about him. Like, I actually have sober letters mm-hmm. that um, she will get when she's older. Very cool. That she can see the person that I seen at one point, mm-hmm. you know, when we were both sober. But I don't know. To me, I took, I think it's just taken, I don't know, just a long time to kind of get, mm-hmm. I don't know, when I think about the journey, like, I don't know where I am today, like five years, five years ago, almost five years ago, like I was on the streets shoving a needle in my arm. Mm-hmm. You know, did I ever think that I would make it this far? No. I was just going to ask like what, what you thought would happen, right? Like, No, I didn't. Like yeah. I never thought that I, no, I didn't. Like I figured I would have gotten high by now. Mm-hmm. And now considering the fact that like, I, uh, I don't know when I think about my life experiences, like I've had some pretty good reflections. Like usually they're in my mornings Mm -hmm. when like I'm driving to work and I'm thinking like one day it was like, wow, like my bum's warm. And then I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I have seat warmers. (laughs) And then I was like, no way. Yeah. Cause a few years ago I had hand warmers that were stolen. Yeah. You know? And I had a bike that was stolen. Mm-hmm. But now I have a car that I make payments on. Well, I was making payments on. Well, I still make payments. But, like, it's mine. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, when I think about, like, I have a house. Like, I stress about my bills now when they come in. Like, oh, my God, I need to pay this. Mm-hmm. And just, like, how drastically my life has changed because... I was once a client at Alpha House. I never stayed there, but I would access certain services there. Mm. And when I would be really strung out, I would go there and shower instead of going home. Mm -hmm. Because in my brain, I was like, well, everyone else there is fucked up. So I'm I'm just as fucked up. Yeah. And I'll just fit like, but I I just look like, I don't look like them. So I'm just going to, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like, the thought process when you think about it is just so crazy. Yeah. And but now when I think about it, like I used to be a client in the dope team band, <clears throat> and now I drive the dope team band. I think that's amazing. Like <laughs> when I looked up my name, like in the system, it's actually quite crazy because like the services that I was connected to is like encampment and. Once I get done school, that is a role within Alpha House that, like, that I would just mm-hmm. love to explore. Yeah. Just because I know how people live. Mm-hmm. Because those are usually meth addicts. And I just think, like, it just fascinates me. Mm-hmm. But now, but I also, and then I was on cautionary for needles in the shelter. Mm-hmm. Cause I was trying, clearly trying to sneak them in yeah. and then like, <laughs> that must be so strange to read that stuff about. Yeah. Yourself, like right? it, it actually kind of is. <clears throat> and like, even the people that I interacted with, like the staff, mm-hmm. cause some of them are still there. Yeah. Like that's what's cool. Cause some of them actually know me from when I was high. Wow. That's amazing. That's what's actually pretty cool. Yeah. And so for me, I don't know. Like I started out with, I had two different practicums. One was in absent-based. Mm-hmm. 
in a in Sunrise, Option Based Treatment Center. But then my second one was in Alpha House, and it's funny. I went there as a student. I've never left. Yeah. And now, like, I know that I'm in recovery, and because I work a certain program, not everyone else is going to. Mm. So, and that's the thing, like, that's pretty cool because you get to see, like, everyone has their own successes. Mm-hmm, of course. You know, and everyone's journey looks different. And however they got there is their mm-hmm. own way. Yeah. Like, I never thought that I would be coming up to being five years sober. I never thought that I would have a four year old daughter. Like, I never thought that I would have three jobs, be a full time student. Mm hmm. You know, paying bills, paying rent, and now adding in a puppy to the mix. Like, Did you guys get a puppy? I'm getting one for oh, my daughter, yes. What kind of puppy? A schnoodle. A schnoodle? Yes, I just like saying that. <laughs> Her What's name's a... going to be Piper. Piper? What's a schnoodle look like? It's like a schnauzer schnoodle. Oh, okay, okay. And like, I just schnauzers look, I just kind of find like, they say that, I don't know, someone said to me at work the other day that like, Dogs resemble their owners, mm-hmm. and like the schnauzer kind of just looks really grumpy. And I was like, "That is my dog." <laughs> I and so I'm hoping that she'll look like something kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's awesome. I just never thought like my life would be where it mm-hmm. is, and driving the van, like I've just definitely experienced quite a bit of experience that make me appreciate where I am today. Mm-hmm. Like now, when I get calls. To, pe- to individuals that are using same drug that I used to just love. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of scary now. Like, it instills a fear in me. Like, I don't want to go back to that. I bet. Because I know for me, I'll be done. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that. Like, yeah. for me, there's no in or out. It's like, I'm either in or I'm out. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I go back in, I'm not coming out. Yeah. That's just how... My addiction took me and how low it took me. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the things that I did to people and the harm that I caused people in my addiction, I just like, I just, it's really hard to fathom. Because mm-hmm. like prime example, my stepmom came down. This is just, she had a rented vehicle. We ended up getting it towed. We had to go to the impound lot. And while sitting in there, there was like three different people that had come in there that had their vehicle stolen. Mm. So that just made me think about what I did to everyone else when I stole their vehicle. Yeah. Not to mention, or when I went into people's houses. Mm. Like, not only did I jeopardize their safety... But their children's safety, mm-hmm. you know, their neighbor's safety, you know, they're like just all around their personal space. And mm-hmm. that to me is just like, because I can't even fathom someone doing that to me now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. To me, when I think like the, my mindset now on where it was then, it's, it was just to me, it was a free for all back then. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care. Yeah. Like, and so when I think about the things that I, I've done, like I've ran into people and they're like, oh, like I've worked with clients and they're like, yeah, you sold me dope. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, it yeah. doesn't bother me, but it's also like, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. 
And then I'm thinking like, oh my God, what else has happened here? And then it just puts me on that crazy train of like, what's mm-hmm. like, what's happening? Who, what else has happened? Who, how do I know this person? Yeah. What else have I done? Like, oh my gosh. But I don't know. Like to me, it just, when I think about those things and I reflect on it, it makes me extremely grateful. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I never thought that meetings would yeah. be ever a part of my life. Um, and you like, like just to, just to make a, a statement, like right away you were into it. Like you might I, have been doing it because you felt you had to, but like from a, as an observer in the rooms, you were into it. You were trying to be better, right? And trying to get better. Well, and that's all I wanted. Yeah. Like for me, that is all I wanted because like I knew that... I was going to be looking at Penton next mm. time. Yeah. And I knew, like, the rate I was going, my charges were getting worse and mm. worse. Yeah. And I was already deemed, at that, that point, not releasable mm. because of already the chances that I've already been given, and I wrecked them. Yeah. So I knew that I had nothing left. Mm. It was like, I, like I'm like i extremely great. Like, I wish I knew my arresting officer that day because I would probably thank him. Yeah. Because I knew I wouldn't have stopped. Yeah. Like, I knew it. And... I could sense it, too, though. Like, from that, the whirlwind that gets you in two stolen cars in 24 hours. Like, that's yep. a whirlwind that you can't control. No. And it ends when it ends, right? Like, oh, my goodness. And that's why for me, like when I think about that, like and the guns pointing at me and I jumped yeah. out of the car, I just like when I think about that moment, actually, like I jumped out of the car, I was like, what? Like I'm pregnant, like I'm entitled yeah. and I just stole this car. <laughs> like really, like they don't care because they, they're like, oh my God, because they knew. They were like, really? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And I was like. What? What the fuck? What are you guys talking about? This and I tried to play it off as my boyfriend's car, mm. but meanwhile I couldn't even pronounce the guy's name. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just when I think about that, it's just like they don't care what you did. They don't care that you're pregnant. Mm. They're just noticing you're in crazy town. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And like I I was well on board and it was that run was for quite some time. And, you know, I knew cause I was actually on my way to go get dope. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that moment, you're just like, let's go. I'm getting it. And yeah. like, I had already phoned my buddy. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> but it, it didn't end well. Mm-hmm. And so like, or it ended really well. Well, well, it ended really well for me in the sense, like in the first little bit, I wasn't thinking it was ending well. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but when I after like now, when I think about mm-hmm. it, like I'm extremely like grateful to that. Like, there's a bunch of them there, but the one that actually made the arrest, mm-hmm. yeah, like I'm extremely grateful for it because I had, like I wouldn't have stopped mm-hmm. even in remand when they told me like. I was still want, trying everything I could for the first couple appearances to get what to get out, mm. but yeah. and so for me, like it, yeah, I had to change. But the drug court thing—that's what did it for me. Yeah. And but that, yeah, no what drug you, so court. What do you think about drug court in general? Because I think it's amazing, like the the idea 
They and are still, to be honest, I am still very much involved in them. Yeah, good. Um, I haven't had anything to do with drug court. Um, I've done fundraisers in them, but I actually was in there on Tuesday. I go in there. I still can't. Claudia's actually one of my supports still. Oh, good. Cool. Um, I just love her. Like, I, if mm. it wasn't for her, like, seeing something in me, even though initially she said no. Yeah. Because she did. She didn't. She thought that I wouldn't make it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't think. I don't think <laughs> any of them thought I was gonna make it. But no. And to me, like she's the hugest support. One mm-hmm. of the hugest supports now in my life. Yeah. Has been for my whole sobriety. That's awesome. Um, she was one of the people that gave me my cards. Yeah. Like, drug court works if you okay. If you're not gonna put in the effort for it, it's mm-hmm. not gonna work. Yeah. Like, it's a full-time job. It's, no, it sounds like it, for sure. It is. Like, I had to do mandatory drug, three drug tests a week. You have to do minimum three three meetings a week. Mm-hmm. No less. Um, you have to hand in your cell phone records every 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have a check-in every Monday. Then a probation check-in every two weeks. Then you had court every week. Mm-hmm. And then whatever group they decided that you had to do... You had to do. Yeah. Like I did some parenting court. I didn't have to. I just did them anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, parenting courses. Um, they make you do budgeting courses. Um, eventually they make you try and get back into like the workforce, mm-hmm. do all that and whatnot. But then when you graduate, you're on probation for a year. In the first six months, you go to court once a month. Mm-hmm. And then it's a drug test maybe once a month, once once a month randomly. Yeah. And your curfew get extended an hour. Big yeah. deal. Woo-hoo. I don't know. Yeah, but it's, it it sounds like a great program though. It is. Like you I know? am very thankful for it because yeah. to me, like they seen something in me that mm. nobody else would. Yeah. Cause everyone like to me I was on the big spread on the Calgary Herald, mm-hmm. bent over a cop car in a high speed chase. And that was the next day when I got arrested. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. To me, I think that they took a chance on me because nobody else would. And to me, yeah. it benefited for yeah. so much in my life. Like I wouldn't have, like I wouldn't have my daughter. Mm-hmm. That's just the real is it what it is. I wouldn't have her yeah. if I didn't have that program. Because CFS wanted me to do another family enhancement program, yeah. which is all this other stuff. And I said no. Mm-hmm. Because from my, from just the things I'd heard, I didn't want anything. To, I wanted them out of my life. Why am I going to do everything else that I have to do for drug court that I have to do for you? Because mm-hmm. ultimately, at the end of the day, you're just going to, like, they'll just put me in jail. Mm-hmm. That's probably way more than what you're going to do to me in the beginning. So, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure I could probably get away with a little bit before you even do anything. But yeah. still, that's why it gave me my daughter pretty much. Yeah. So that's awesome. It's done a lot more than that. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, I just think of like people's trajectory, right? Like in recovery and like you, it sets the groundwork to me. Yeah. That's what it did for me. Like it set the baseline for me mm-hmm. and then it gave me the baseline. It gave me the certain supports, yeah. but then it's what, what I did from there. Of course. It always comes back to that, right? Like it, to yeah. me, I didn't, once I was done drug court and finished my probation and finished complete, I didn't have to continue with meetings. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to continue with a sponsor. I didn't have to do any of those things. Mm-hmm. 
And, but I did. Like, I still, like, I try to go to, like, before working, doing as much as what I do now, like, I was going to a meeting, I would try to go to every day. Mm-hmm. Like, my sponsor, like, I had a wonderful sponsor for the first, like, two years of my recovery. She got me where I needed to be, got me through my first set of steps, mm-hmm. but I needed more. And so I found more, like I found my person. She is a lovely individual Mm -hmm. and she stuck with me forever. Excellent. And I don't know, to me, she's actually like, since working with her has basically, I think kind of like, has helped me actually see my full potential, not only in recovery, Mm -hmm. but as being a mom, being a student and being an employee, as well as being working with my fellows, I guess, because I don't like, I, I don't know. I put a lot of work into everything I do Mm -hmm. and, but I also put a lot of work into what she suggests. Mm -hmm. I don't always like it. Yeah. Like, you know, (laughs) if you always like it, you don't have a sponsor, you have a friend. Well, that's the thing. Like, she's pretty much like, she's actually my emergency contact. <laughs> um, she is. Like, she's fabulous. Mm. But, like... Well, you can I, have a friend, and that friend can be your sponsor. But if the if the friend's not giving you anything new in terms of information and calling you on your shit, well, then they're not doing a good job. Oh, see, that's what I need. Yeah. And, like, I, I don't need someone that's just going to, like... Agree with around. you and all that shit. Like, yeah. let's just... Yeah. You know, I'm, I don't care. Like, I, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know what I need. And so I need someone to be like, hey, yeah, this is what's up. Like, you're slipping. Mm-hmm. And I can actually say in my recovery, um, I think it was after um, probably the worst part. I think I probably the worst part for my recovery mm-hmm. would have been about I think a year ago, roughly, yeah, roughly over, just over a year ago. Um, I always wondered, like, when people say, like, about relationship resentments, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, you know, and I don't really, like, listen to what people, like, talk about when they talk about that stuff, mm-hmm. but I get it. Like, it didn't make me relapse, but, like, it made me probably hit, like, an emotional, like, bottom mm-hmm. That where I actually thought of using, yeah. and that was the first time in a, like ever. Mm-hmm. And I work in harm reduction, yeah. So I think for me, like that, I needed that too in my recovery mm-hmm. to grow, yeah. Because it is like that opened the door for what I, what I knew I needed, and what I knew what I needed to change. Mm-hmm. And so that's where for me, like I'm. Extremely grateful for the opportunities that I've had in sobriety and the relate certain relationships that I've had mm-hmm. because it's taught me so much about myself. Yeah. And that's something that before my addiction, I didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. To me, I figured I would die as a junkie. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought I would do. And so when I think about those two things, like and where like I don't know. I just have a lot of gratitude lately mm-hmm. and just kind of like, I don't know, after today, my day at work, it was just kind of like, 
a crazy day, so. Yeah. It's been a lot, so I don't know, but well, that's pretty much. Thank you for know. coming and thank you for coming and talking to us after a long day at work. No, it's good. I, it's awesome. But one thing I would say too is mm. like one of the things that I've learned. Um, I was just going to ask if there's anything you want to pass on before we close. No, just about that, like, because a lot of people have questioned me about being in recovery and being working in harm reduction, mm -hmm. and it doesn't bother me because I have I've actually had a lot of people actually question me lately. Hmm. And in meetings and stuff, because now that there are some of them are open, I've had, it seems a lot more, yeah, just kind of odd questions about if I have any judgments or biases around it or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Because especially coming from an addiction that was so bad, mm -hmm. but then being in recovery and going to meetings, yeah. but then working in places where people actively use. Mm -hmm. And to me, I don't think that. There's nothing any different because mm -hmm. I was those per I was that person. Mm -hmm. So I wish, and there's one particular person that was at um, Alpha when I was using, and she was an outside person, and that is a person that I remember to this day because she was so genuine and real, mm -hmm. and that's the person that I want to be in my recovery yeah. because those are the people that they need. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not going to judge them on what they do, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to preach what I do either. Because if they want to live their life, they're going to live it how they want to. Yeah. But well, I'm only there to support them. Harm reduction saves lives. And to me, they're all human beings. And I just love them because they mm -hmm. just want to live their best life. And hey, yeah. if I can be there to help them and support them, mm -hmm. by all means. Well, and, and, you know, you can do, you can do both. I know. And right? that's what people don't understand. Yeah. And that's the, my biggest, I think, lately has been my biggest struggle with meetings mm -hmm. is because they think of it as only one way. Yeah, and I find the same thing because I and I'm not like I don't yeah. care. Like I will address myself. I like in meetings. I depending like my home group. I'll say I was an addict because I was. Mm. But I come to AA this group in particular because it's like they're my people. Mm -hmm. They're just it's where I built relationships. Yeah. So to me, I don't think it really matters because yeah, at I the end of the day, so. both programs work. However, which way you want to see it. Mm -hmm. And so to me. When you're sitting in that chair at AA, you shouldn't be judging because last time I checked, we could end up there too. Well, yeah, and that, and even sitting in the room judging in the moment, we're forgetting all the times we were already there. Yep. Like we're or forgetting. How fast it can happen. Yeah, we're forgetting the times where we used to try to manage our addiction with controlled drinking or controlled use or whatever the bullshit we tried. Right. We're no different. Well, I think, I also think too, I've actually had a harder time because I have had people mm -hmm. from my home group come in and it's just kind of like, kind of mm -hmm. sends my brain for a loop because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, that's how fast. Yeah. But it also makes me grateful when I see those people mm -hmm. because it's a good reminder of what can happen mm -hmm. in just a short period. Yeah. And you especially said. now throughout this pandemic. Yeah. Like it's actually really hard for some people. Yeah. And that's why I think that, I don't know, everyone just needs more love and just mm -hmm. more support. Yeah. More love and more support, man. Like there's nothing wrong with that. No. Yeah. I'm all for it and just be yeah. kind. Be a nice human. Nice. I like that. Let's end it with that. Thank you. <laughs>